reflections from a range of authors, journalists, civic leaders, historians and generally interesting people, exploring the importance of the written word, the value of a library and their own inspirations and motivations. Based at RSE Connolly, the James Connolly Visitor Centre, Belfast. Glor, you're very welcome back to Glor at Lowerland E Connolly, the podcast here in RSE Connolly, a James Connolly Visitor Centre on the Falls Road. This week's guest is Jackie Redpath, who is the CEO of the Greater Shankill Partnership. Born in Rard and very much a part of that area and that community, he's been a community worker there for most of his life. He chats to us here today about what led him down that path, about the challenges and the work that faced the Greater Shankill area, but about how he has great hope for a community that has survived significant change and development in recent decades. At the moment, I uh, have a rather grand title of Chief Executive of Greater Shankill Partnership, uh, which is a community-led regeneration company in the Greater Shankill area. Um, I say it's a rather grand title, it's not one that I, I greatly like, but we are an organisation I mean, with, with 75 employees uh, across a whole range of programmes, including Sure Start, uh, Integrated Services for Children and Young People, the Spectrum Centre, etc. So in that sense, we are a, a, a small to medium-sized company. Uh, actually, probably the second or third largest employer on the Shankill, believe it or not, at 75 people, uh, out done by Tesco on the Bellic Martin Road, and I think Usail in Canberra Street. Um, However, having said that, my preferred title is as a community worker in the Shankill, which I have been um, basically all my working life for my sins or some, some punishment for what happened in a past life. Karma, not a distinction now, it's all the greater Shankill area. So yeah, it's where I was brought up, where I knocked about as a kid and uh, I, I've lived there, my grandchildren live there, almost all of them except for a couple over in England. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's where I'm from and where, where I belong to. What led me to be a community worker is a question I ask myself sometimes in the darkness of the night. Uh, and it's, it's, it's in a way fairly simple and in a way more complex. Um, my upbringing on the Shankill was in a very strict uh, fundamentalist evangelical church, Shankill Baptist Church. Uh, and I don't think people in West Belfast would quite relate to what I'm talking about, but it was a very, very strict sort of religious upbringing. And I, I pretty well lived it and abided by it as a child because it was all I knew. But when I got into my later teenage years and, and started to ask questions about it, um, I found that the church that I was brought up in, you know, didn't really um, do for me what it needed to do. I was, I, I was wrecked by doubt. Uh, but as well as that, once the troubles kicked in, and if we call it 1969 for a moment anyway, uh, as one point, um, you know, I, I sort of looked at the church and what they did was on a Sunday night, uh, because in, in, in Protestant churches you have, you know, Sunday services in the morning, in the afternoon and on Sunday night. Uh, and on Sunday night is like the gospel meeting where you're meant to get people in that aren't believers in order to convert them. And what happened during the, the riots that there were in 1969, quite frequently on the Shankill and CS gas being fired and all this sort of thing. Uh, was that the church closed down and moved services 
too earlier on a Sunday so as they could get out with their cars before the rats started. And I sort of thought there's there's something wrong here, you know. And a few of us opened this wee house uh, that was like um, a Christian house. It was called The Way and it was an attempt to reach out to young people that were ratting really, talking about Jesus, about God, about whatever. It became actually uh, known as the Jesus Liberation Front eventually. And um, it, it had quite a big impact on, on kids on the road, but I was a kid at the same time. I was 18, 19. Uh, but gradually as that moved on, I sort of realised that even what was happening in there were, you know, pretty wild kids, including myself, were getting to know God and getting converted and all this, that they were sort of separating themselves off from what was actually happening in the street. And what was happening in the street was two big things. One was the troubles and the rats and the, the violence that was there in all working class communities really at the time. And the second thing that was happening was massive redevelopment, which I've called the other troubles uh, on the Shankill because the impact of redevelopment was greater on the Shankill than any other, uh, than any other factor, I think. And um, yeah, I had a choice at the time when I was leaving the, the sort of religious stuff behind. Uh, I, I started actually reading liberation theology from South America where you had, I, I think, actually Catholic priests that were, you know, involved in a social gospel, if you want, and, and realising that social concerns were, were extremely important. And that sort of influenced me. And I suppose at that point your choice was... was really what you were going to fight. You were either sort of, you know, I, I chose my war as not a paramilitary war, not joining a paramilitary organisation, but as a, a war about social conditions on the Shankill. I could not exaggerate the impact that redevelopment had on the Shankill. It was phenomenal. And uh, I mean, whole, whole communities, not just streets, but whole groups of streets that were that were old neighbourhoods like the Hammer and the Nick and Brown Square were cleared in single clearance phases and people scattered, you know, to other parts of outside Belfast and so forth. The population of the Shankill dropped from the late 1960s to uh, at the beginning of the 1980s from 76,000 people to 23,000 people. So over 50,000 people were moved out essentially by the bulldozer, by redevelopment. And it's very hard for any community to bear that sort of massive transformation over a 20, 20 year period. Left behind was an aging population in terms of age profile because they, they couldn't go. And the, if I could call it the least mobile people, uh, people that were tied, that were benefit dependent, that were you know, on very low income and, you know, were, they were left behind in the Shankill and the way the community worked, like happened in other working class parts of Belfast, the way that that old community worked on an extended family basis and so forth was taken apart and never reassembled. So, you know, you, 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 know, you, you couldn't tell the difference between a fire that was blazing on the Shankill as a result of the troubles and a petrol bomb and a pipe and, and a whole street that was burning due to the bulldozer hitting a, a gas pipe and everything going up. I mean, it, it was just so crazy. And I look back now and think, how did, did, did people 
hard to I survive that, you know, and how did the, the community survive it? Survive it, we did, but with great damage. I went to university and was under one of the one percent in the Shankill back then and for quite a number of decades after the 1970s uh, of people who went to university. Um, and I, I don't quite know how I made it there. I mean, I failed the 11 plus. Uh, it had a massive impact on me. Um, and I got sent across town to another school out of the Shankill because um, I, I was going, the school I would have gone to was the boys' model. And I'd always wanted to work in the shipyard as a kid growing up. And I'd never seen the shipyard from the Shankill because you can't actually see it from the Shankill. And we went up for a test to the boys' model before being admitted, having failed the 11 plus, you had another IQ test to do. And on the top floor of that school, which is still there, but it's a new school now, but on the top floor you could see right over Belfast and down into the shipyard. And I think I did one page of the IQ test and then just sat staring out um, at the shipyard with longing. And um, I was going to get put into the bottom class in the boys' model for those that were, you know, everything was streamed then. Um, and my brother intervened. And, and and discovered that there's this great school in East Belfast called Orangefield with an amazing school principal called John Malone, the very progressive secondary school at the time. And I went away across town and struggled for a bit, but but eventually I found my feet there. And that did that did a lot for me, plus my dad. All my family worked in, in the linen uh, mills, uh, my father, my mother. Actually, all worked in False Flag Spinning Company, which was in the which was in where Lawnbrook Avenue met Cooper Street, but it was the winding company and the weaving company was Conway Mill, where they were sister mills. So my mother and father, all my aunts and so forth, worked in there, and my father always, at times, literally, beat it into me that um, I was never going to end up working in a linen mill and that education was the way not to end up there. He didn't know there weren't going to be any linen mills to work in, actually. But, but uh, yeah, uh, so a combination of him and school got me to Queens. I was still doing the God stuff then in the Shankill in my, my upbringing. And, um, you know, I could have benefited more from Queens. I'm sorry now that I didn't. I was half there, half in and half out sort of thing. Uh, and it was a bit like a foreign country to me coming from the Shankill and there was nobody else that I knew. Well, there was a few, a couple, but like in those days you wore things like the scarf, a queen's scarf. I couldn't wear that going up the Shankill, you know, because civil rights had happened, the people's democracy at Queen's. So anybody going there was like branded as that. And uh, it wasn't it wasn't a natural, a natural habitat um, if you were from the Shankill. And, and until recently, I mean, that is still the case. It's a situation that's now changing, but changing slowly. I do see hope. And you have to be hopeful or you would, you, you would just give up. I mean, but, but the hope is grounded on some, some experience and some analysis um, of, of what needs done and, and what is happening. Uh, in terms of educational underachievement, the Shankill, the Greater Shankill area, young people on it are coming from a long way back due to a combination of circumstances. I, uh, I mentioned earlier about uh, 
the redevelopment on the Shankill that ripped out the most mobile, the most socially mobile, you know, those that were able to go at all went due to redevelopment. Um, I talked about the troubles that obviously on all working class communities in particular had a, a, a fierce negative uh, impact. On top of that, on the Shankill, uh, you had the collapse of the old industries that people in the Shankill worked in, uh, shipyard, uh, Mackey's engineering, uh, the linen mills uh, were worked in both by the Shankill and Falls. Um, and the collapse of those old industries had a big, big impact. We call it the perfect storm, redevelopment, the troubles and, and the collapse of the old industries because until then you did not need a single examination to your name to get into one of those industries, you need to be spoken for. In the same way as happened in Glasgow, shipbuilding and Newcastle and Tyne and stuff, you got spoken for by your father, by an uncle or whatever, and you got in on those sorts of industries. Um, you didn't need an exam. If you were on the ball at all and bright, you did your apprenticeship when you were in there, you're studying gills and, and it used to be a saying, your education started with your apprenticeship. That all went in one generation and we had no fallback on the Shankill because we had never needed to value education because we didn't need it. Um, so, so, so we now are two or three generations on learning suddenly or slowly that in fact we need to value education. But it's a difficult road to hold um, if there's no tradition of valuing that. And Therefore, we're having to try to recreate a scenario in the Shankill uh, in which we um, value every child and young person uh, and support them in them moving towards realising their potential. And that's what we're about in declaring the Shankill, designating it uh, in 2014 a children and young people zone. And, uh, not an education zone, but a children and young people zone. Because one of the things we discovered is that while people didn't value education the way that they should in general, I'm making a general point here, they did value their children. And therefore the starting point here is, is that, is the value in the child. So we've started a series of conversations with, because we worked out, you know, we never came across one single family or one single parent, particularly with a young child, never came across one who however weighed down they were by issues, and some of the issues maybe were really, really pretty awful, however well weighed down they were, did not want something better for their child than what they had. And that something better is actually an outcome, it's the change that they wanted, and governments speak it's an outcome. And we thought, heart, that's where you start. What's the something better you want for your child? Or if the child is old enough, or a young person, what's the story they want their life to be? We thought, how do you find that out? Well, it's very simple to talk to them. So we've started this series of conversations with um, children and young people and their families about the story they want their life to be. And then when we hear that, we talk about, or with them, plan the pathway to get there. And then having done that, we begin putting sustained support around them, one at a time for as long as it takes, sometimes intensive, sometimes light touch, on their journey. Now that's the plan. 
There's 5,968 not 20-year-olds in the Shankill, in the Greater Shankill. That's the pitch that we're working on. Um, we're in the foothills of it. It'll take 20 years or more. But uh, we've cast ourselves forward in looking at that. And, you know, one at a time, one child at a time, that is how we will bring about this change and transform the chances of a generation. But it'll take time, and it is one child at a time just for as long as it takes.